When I was in grade 10, I switched schools and started going to a Christian school. And one of the classes that we had throughout the year was Bible. And we were studying the book of John in this particular six-week unit. And um, I don't remember what the reading plan was. I don't remember how long we had to read certain verses or what have you. But we actually had to kind of journal our experience going through it. And we looked at the, the book of John, as I said, and we would have to summarize what happened, where it happened, or their famous verses or famous quotes that happened in this chapter. And then the last one was always the hardest thing to do as we worked through the passage, and that was find that one thing that's going to make a difference in your life, that you can apply, that you can work out. Now, in grade 10, I wouldn't suggest to you that I was best friends with my parents. Okay? They kind of got on my nerves. I thought that most of what they said was ridiculous and had no bearing on real life. Okay? I, a little bit, I was pretty cocky and arrogant. Good thing I grew out of that. Um, but it was a problem for me. And that dynamic in our home, I didn't love. I was totally frustrated by people I didn't think should be in charge of me being in charge of me. And then we read in this reading plan at school the story of Jesus before Pilate. And Pilate has had Jesus brought to him. Jesus has been arrested and is being charged. And while he's talking to Pilate, Pilate's saying, do you hear all these things that they're saying about you? Are they true? Are you who you say you are? And Jesus doesn't say anything. And Pilate turns to him and says, don't you realize that I have the authority to set you free or to crucify you? Like, I have that kind of authority and power. And Jesus responded was, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. I remember being really struck as that teenager who thought his parents had no place being in power, but all of a sudden realizing that the people that are in authority over me have been given that authority from God. Children, your parents are something God has given you specifically. Your parents are a gift, and before you ask, you cannot exchange them. Okay? They are a gift. There is no receipt. Your job is to love them. Your job is to value them, is to prize them. When we see the command, honor your father and mother, that word honor has a lot of different subtleties to what it can mean. But I think the most helpful way that we can get our heads around it is to understand what it's asking you to do is to actually prize your parents. Think of them as being super valuable. You can actually obey your parents going through that checklist that we talked about before, the go to bed, don't like, come home early, not too much catch up. Looking at that list, we can actually do that without honoring our parents. You can actually obey your parents and dishonor them. What's your attitude when you go through obedience? What's your attitude? How, how, what's your tone of voice when you speak to them, when they come back at you? How fast do your eyes roll when they ask you? How quick are you to try to understand why they're asking things of you? Relationship and conversation, these are ways we can show people that they matter Right? And that we value them. Kids, you're asked to do this with your parents. Value them, prize them, treasure them, honor them as you obey them. 
I want you to think back to that one thing from before that you don't love to do, that you get asked to do. You're very slow to obey, you're slow to resist. Well, how can you honor your father and mother while you do that? Well, why obey and why honor? Because those in authority over you are given to you from God. And when you obey and when you serve them, you're actually demonstrating the attitude of Jesus. It's one of the ways that you imitate God. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't something he wanted to do. Outcome, absolutely. Salvation, redemption, reconciliation, new kingdom, these are all things he wanted. But if there had been a different way to be able to accomplish all of that, he would have done it. We know it from the prayer we see in the garden. He went to the cross to obey his father and to honor him. That's the example that we have set before us. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward, and we're going to share in communion today. And as we do, we take the bread and we take the cup. And when we do, we remember Jesus. But we also say, Jesus, we are with you, and we want to be like you. We want to obey like you did. And we humble ourselves before God as we take the bread and the cup. And we thank him for the life that we have because he obeyed and because of the way that he obeyed. Let me pray. Our Father, we thank you for the example that you've set for us. We thank you for Jesus, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit who empowers us and enables us to understand who he is. God, I pray that you would help us as we remember today to not just remember while we sit here. I pray that you would help us as we take the body, as we take the blood of Jesus, as we remember, as we share in that together, um, that we would look to honor you in the way that we live, in the way that we interact together that we would value and prize and treasure those in authority over us, in our families. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name I pray. Amen. I'm uh, going to take a bit of a risk and go off script here, but before we dive into the second uh, part of the sermon, what did you take away from the first set? In kind of one sentence or less. Those in authority ought to be honored. Yeah, those in authority ought to be honored. Watch your attitude. All authority comes from God. Watch your mouth. Helpful words when you're preaching, yes. Yeah. What was that? I heard something over here. Don't roll your eyes. Yeah. Use less ketchup. Good. Way to hold on to the important stuff, Brandon. Thank you. Um, awesome. Appreciate that. So, in the first set of what we looked at, we were speaking specifically um, to the children, parent dynamic, children mostly. Uh, we're going to take some time and look at what this text means for parents. Okay, so can we go back to, Don, can we get the, the text back up? The oh, children obey your parents in the Lord. Can we read that together, please? Children obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Um, so, as a selfish parent, I can look at that and go, all right, my kids have to obey me, it's in the Bible. Perfect, I have all kinds of power, right? Probably the wrong approach um, as a dad. Um, God makes a promise that if we honor our parents, that we will enjoy a long life on the earth. 
At first glance, what it seems like is that if you obey your parents, you will have a, a long and happy and full life here on the earth. Like this thing, that you, these set of things your parents ask you to do are somehow the key to a long, full, and happy life. Quick glance, that's what, it, that's what you can walk away thinking. And as a parent, that can be scary. That's not quite what this is saying, though. Parents, you do not have the power in what you ask your kids to do to deliver on the promise God is making. That's not what this passage is trying to get you to understand. The deal is this. The promise is not about obeying a parent's checklist for daily chores. This command and promise reflects the covenant that God has made with his people. Understand it, learn it, know it, walk in it. Parents, you don't have the job of coming up with the right things to ask your kids to obey so that they live long and happy lives. Your job and our job is to walk with them into a relationship with God, to teach them the things that God loves and the things that God thinks matter, that you learn his law, his love, and his goodness, and that you pass it along to your children. Gospel parenting is about showing love. It's about modeling what it means to follow Jesus, to experience the presence of God together as you grow and as you grow together. Teaching them right and wrong, teaching them wisdom and responsibility, being good and productive citizens will all flow out of that. And the good news is, parents, you can't do it alone. You can't do it but by the power of the Holy Spirit and by grace with the community helping you. Some of you here uh, may be listening to this and having a hard time thinking about your experience as parents, either currently or previously. You may look back and feel like you've missed it somehow, that you did wrong or you perceived some kind of failure to do what I've mentioned here. It's not too late for reconciliation. It's not too late for redemption. It's not too late for salvation. God's not done yet. You are invited into this covenant and merciful relationship with God. He doesn't reject those people who come to him humbly, saddened and asking him for things like forgiveness, renewal, reconciliation, and salvation. He wants to give those things to you. He's not a God who says no to those things. It's a big job. It's a hard task to accomplish, and it's not something we can do alone. I've asked Kathy Ribble um, if she would pray uh, for our parents for those who have experienced hurt and those who are in the midst of doing this in, in whoa, with difficulty. There's a speaker there. Just be careful you don't point it too close. This is Kathy. She is our former children's pastor and a current elder. Please pray for us. Father God, creator of the concept of family, Jesus, Savior, teacher of love, Holy Spirit, who is ever-present with us, we come to you this morning, all in differing circumstances, having heard your word and understanding afresh the task before us. Whether we are parents, grandparents, friends to children and youth, and adult children, you have given us an instruction this morning to teach our children the things that matter to you, to teach and model your unconditional love for them and for others. To you, to know your scripture and to be in a relationship with Jesus. And we affirm that there is no shelf life to this task. So we come humbly, Father, understanding and confessing 
that we fall short when we walk in our own strength. Forgive us for doing that. We come to you this morning knowing that the resources of heaven are ours. As your child, I find this a breathtaking thought because as your adopted daughter and because I have the certainty of that place in your heart, Father, I ask humbly, but also with anticipation that you would bless us with those resources, spiritually, emotionally, physically, and mindfully. Through your Holy Spirit, Father, working in us, enable us to guard our hearts against the things that do not honor you and that do not show love to others so that we might then teach our children to guard their hearts, enabling them to love others in your name. Father, I would ask for your blessing upon our parents and families this morning. Bless us with a deep desire to know you better. Bless us each one with your peace and an inner joy that comes from knowing you better and enable us then with the ability to share that well with our children. Bless us with a home and church environment where children and youth know they are cherished, no matter what the circumstances. Father, if any are in situations that are broken, bless those broken situations with your healing and relational restoration. Bless those parents with wisdom to care for their children living in the outcomes that have caused, been caused by brokenness. Protect each one of them as you know their need best. Bless each one bowed here in your presence with the understanding that humanly we fail. But Father, you never fail. And you hold us firmly with your strong arms of love. Jesus showed us clearly he was and is a champion of children. He commanded his disciples and the parents that day described in your word, bring those children to me, and then he blessed them. Enable us to be faithful as parents to bring our children to you, no matter our circumstances. Bless us with an urgency to follow Jesus' directive to bring our children to you. Because you are a restorative God, Bless us with a renewal in this place of worship to champion our children and our youth to rise up as a new generation of Jesus followers who love Jesus and love others. Father, may we be a village of grace here in this place and may our children and youth leave this place and return to homes filled with the light of your love, your grace, and your truths. In the name of Jesus, who remains our example of unconditional love, I ask this blessing in Jesus' name. All right, so we've spoken to the kids, spoken to the parents. The last section of my sermon is to the church. When the letter was written to the Ephesians, okay, it wasn't like a note that got folded up like we used to get when I was in school, and like, I don't know how the girls used to fold those letters, but it was origami, and it was so impressive, and... Does this still happen, or is it all over text now? <laughs> okay, all right. Um, but this letter that Paul wrote was not for an individual to read and then pass along to the next person. 
Paul wrote the letter so that it would be read aloud to the church community. Okay? And as he singles out all these groups, they're, they're, they're demographics within the community that matter, that are super important. And he recognizes that children are part of the church. They are part of the community, and they are worth speaking to, and they are worth speaking into. So hear this for us, Brooke. This is true of our church as well. Our children matter. Our kids are important. They're awesome. Our kids can be spirit-born, spirit-filled, and spirit-led people of God. We don't have to wait for them to turn 18. We want to take time today to bless them and to speak life and to speak scripture over them. So as we sing this next couple of songs, I want you to listen. And I want you to think about what it is that God wants to say to our kids. What do they need to hear? You have a little piece of paper um, in your bulletin, and if you want to write something down, whether it's a scripture passage, whether it's a song lyric, whether it's just something you know is true about the heart of God for our kids, I want you to write it down. We are going to take time after we're done singing to share it with the kids, okay? You don't have to. You can just give me the piece of paper, and we can put it in the basket. We have an idea for what we might do with it, um, but I really want that feedback from you. If you feel like God is telling you something for a very specific child sitting near you or in our church, you don't have the freedom because I said so to go and speak that over the kid, okay? You do have the freedom to go to the parent, please, and say, hey, I feel like God's got something for your kid is, or your child, your treasure, your prince, your princess, whatever, whatever you would wish to call them, okay? Uh, but here's what I have for them. What should I say to them? Does this resonate with you? And what do you think is the best way to share this? Should I give it to you so you can say it, or can I do it directly? Have that conversation with the parent. But if it's something for the, for the kids of our church, be ready to share it, please, when we're done singing in a moment. Please stand. Jeff wanted me to mention that there's a basket here on the platform. And if you have wrote one of those cards, a blessing or a word of encouragement for children or a particular child, uh, you can put it in this basket. Uh, they're going to be making a collage downstairs for the kids to, as a way of encouraging them and just helping them to remember that uh, we love them and that we, uh, we prayed for them. I was thinking and being mindful uh, as we went, as Jeff was talking today. And um, I love what we did here with uh, our children, but the words that came to me, I had to do with those two boards that are over there on the wall. And the exercise that we did last November for children who are not in this place. And uh, although I think there are many children's names on there who, who were here standing in front of us here today, but many other names of children, young people, young adults who are not. Uh, some who are not walking with the Lord and our hearts break for them as parents and a church. Some that we've lost. Some of you have experienced the pain of losing a child. Some of you have experienced the pain of having your children walk away from the Lord and live lives that are not honoring of their faith. Some of you know the pain of having children whose lives, their lives, lifestyles and their, their choices grieve your heart and break your heart because you know that it breaks the heart of God. And I wanted to remind you um, of something that we did last November and the words that came to us from Isaiah chapter 43 where it says this be not afraid for I am with you I will bring your children from the east and gather you from the west I will say to the north give them up 
and to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who is called by name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And I want to give you this word of encouragement. That you might be a mom, or you might be a dad, or you might be an uncle or a grandparent of someone that you are grieving for and mourning for. But know this, they are never lost to Jesus. In life and in death, they are not lost to Jesus. He is greater, and his name spoken over them has power. So be at peace. Be at peace. Even after we've done all that we can, he is greater. And we can trust them to him. That's what those two boards remind us of. As we go from this place today, may we take the words that Jeff has shared with us about Jesus' example of loving children. And may we, wherever we go, where we encounter children, may the smile on our face and the twinkle in our eyes say to them, they are loved. Mm -hmm. Amen.